Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. The scripture reading today will be in Luke chapter 14. Reading verses 15 through 24, if you please stand for the reading of God's word, Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all, likewise, uh, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and, there, and still there is room. The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Father, I pray that you would add your blessing now to the reading of your word, that you would give us a clarity as we seek to study and understand what it is that you're trying to communicate uh, in these words that you gave so many years ago. I pray that you'd help us to uh, listen attentively and to learn and to grow it, and pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us as we seek to understand this text. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we are continuing our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, and we're now in chapter 14. And uh, today is going to be a continuation of last Sunday. You remember last week, uh, Jesus was at a Pharisee's house for dinner. He had gone over there uh, for a meal. A lot of other religious people were invited to this. It was apparently a large feast. And uh, Jesus had healed a man there who had dropsy. He was then criticized for it because, of course, he'd done it on the Sabbath day, uh, which the Jewish leaders did not exactly approve of. And so Jesus then kind of had an interaction with them, rebuked them for their lack of uh, compassion on the man. And today's text takes place on the very same day at the very same dinner party. So uh, basically, this is all one story, uh, but I kind of had to split it into two, otherwise we'd be here for an hour last week. And so uh, we're splitting this up. Today is just a continuation of that same story. And so just kind of get that in your mind. Jesus is at at this meal at a Pharisee's house with all these other religious Jews. And in verse 15, one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now that's uh, the statement that then uh, precipitates the rest of the text. And we see first there that it says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him, with Jesus, heard these things. And so the the first question might be, well, what things? Uh, What is he talking about? What caused him to say this? And so if we go back one verse to verse 14, uh, Jesus had told them, you know, when 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 you put on a meal, don't just bring in rich people that can repay you. Instead, bring in poor people that can do nothing Uh, basically to repay your kindness. And so the end of verse 14, it says, 
for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so that mention of the resurrection of the just is what leads this man to then say, uh, isn't it going to be great to be a part of God's kingdom? He just kind of exclaims this as he thinks about that future day, that resurrection in the kingdom of God. And so in verse 16, Jesus responds to the man's statement. It says, but he said to him. Now that word but tells us uh, this is a correction. He's going to correct what seems to be a a pretty clear statement. I mean, the guy says, isn't that going to be great to be in God's kingdom? Uh, What could you possibly disagree with about that? And yet Jesus offers a correction. And it's a correction of an assumption that the man clearly had, namely that he was going to be in the kingdom. Uh, The Pharisees assumed that because they were law-abiding Jews, that surely they of all people would be included in the kingdom of God at the resurrection. And in what follows, Jesus gives an illustration uh, to show them that this is not the case. Verse 16 He said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Okay, so get the the picture here. It's a little parable of Jesus. He says a man had a a banquet, a great feast, and he invited a bunch of people there. Uh, Invitations would have been sent out several days in advance, letting everybody know, uh, you're invited to this, it's going to be at this such and such a place on such and such a day. Uh, but of course, they don't have clocks, they don't have any way of really precisely telling the time. And so what would happen is whenever everything was ready, whenever the food was prepared, a servant would be sent out to let everybody know, hey, it's time for the feast, uh, come on over. And so this is what's taking place in verse 17. Uh, he sends the servant to all of those who had been invited to let them know that it's time to come, the food was all prepared. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. Uh, Notice he says they're excuses. These are not good reasons. Uh, None of these are legitimate. These are just stupid excuses that they're coming up with to not attend the feast. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Now, uh, the first excuse is just ridiculous. First of all, who buys a field that he's never seen? Uh, Who would buy a field having never seen it before? That's just absurd. Uh, But even if he had, even if you had already bought the field, okay, let's just say you'd never seen it, you bought it blindly. Uh, Why would you need to go right now and see it? If it's your field, you can see it tomorrow. You can see it whenever you want. This is just a ridiculous excuse. Verse 19, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Again, uh, who buys oxen for their farm without examining them? And again, if you had done so, why couldn't this wait? If you'd already bought them, they're yours. You can examine them whenever you want. These are lame excuses. Verse 20, another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now this one, um, sorry, you go ahead and finish that. I see my wife shaking her head at me. I better not uh, say anything more. But uh, whether or not this was a good excuse, Jesus uh, seems to be rebuking these men. They didn't want to go to the banquet. And so they just came up with some reason to reject the offer. Verse 21, the servant came, reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, the one who was putting on this feast and who had invited these folks, became angry. He said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Now, it's perfectly understandable why the master would be angry. I mean, he prepared this great feast. Uh, This would have been a great cost to himself. And he had just out of his own kindness invited these people to come. And yet they are rejecting his invitation. This would be very insulting, especially since it's not exactly stated there, but the implication is that they had agreed to come to this meeting. Uh, Just like in today's culture, right? We send out RSVPs. We want to know who's going to be at this feast. 
And so apparently they had already sort of committed, yeah, I'll come to your feast. And now they're backing out at the last minute. This would have been uh, very rude and insulting to the one putting on this banquet. And so now, if they don't want this offer, the, the master says, then that's on them. The offer is now going to be given to anyone who's willing to come. And so he sends the servant out into the streets of the city to bring in the poor. Uh, the poor, of course, would have been thrilled uh, to be invited to such a feast. And so the servant comes back in verse 22 and says, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. So the servant is now sent outside the city into the surrounding area so that all of these people now are able to come into the banquet. Basically, anyone who will accept the offer, anyone who will receive the invitation and follow the servant is willing, uh, is welcome to come into this feast. And then we see in verse 24, Jesus says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So those original men, those ones that had received the invitation in advance and had refused the offer, their invitation is now revoked. Uh, they've insulted the master's kind offer. They've rejected the servant that he brought, that he had sent to, to bring them to the feast. And so now they are no longer welcome in the banquet. The blessing that they had rejected was now given to others who would be willing to receive it. Now that's an easy enough story to understand. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, what is this all about? Jesus often does this, right? He uses parables to explain spiritual truths. And so what we need to ask is, what's the point behind this? What is he trying to tell us? And in this case, I think it becomes quite clear if we set this in its context. So I'm going to remind you of how the previous chapter ended, verse uh, 34 of chapter 13. You remember Jesus was weeping and lamenting over the city of Jerusalem, the Jews. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And so Jesus came as the Messiah to the Jewish people. We talked about that in the previous hour, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish prophecies of the Christ, the Messiah that would come. And so he had come to Israel, and they had rejected him. God's kingdom was there. It was theirs to join, but they had refused the offer. And so in the parable that we're looking at today, the invitation to come to the feast is clearly the offer of God's kingdom. And the Jews are those who were first invited, the ones that had been given this advanced warning. Uh, think of the Jews in Jesus' day. They had been reading for centuries the prophecies of the Messiah. They knew that he was coming. And now Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm here. Uh, accept me as your king. And they refused. They'd been awaiting this kingdom. And yet when the messenger came saying, it's time, they refused to listen. And instead they made excuses. Uh, the first servant that we see that was sent to the Jews, and I think in particular here, Jesus is critiquing the Pharisees, because remember, he's at a Pharisee's house, uh, the religious leaders of his day that had rejected him. And so it seems like this whole parable is directed at them. Uh, Jesus said of John the Baptist in John 7, 27, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. This was a prophecy in the book of Malachi, you'll find, of John the Baptist, someone who would come and prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And so how did the Pharisees respond to this messenger of God who came declaring the soon arrival of the kingdom? Verse 30, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, 
not having been baptized by him, by John the Baptist. And so they rejected John. They refused his message. And so then Jesus comes on the scene. The king himself arrives with the offer of the kingdom, and they rejected him too. And their excuses were many. We've seen these uh, over and over throughout Luke's gospel, the reasons that the Pharisees, the reasons, uh, that the Pharisees gave for why they were rejecting Jesus. Things like the fact that his disciples didn't wash their hands before eating. Uh, the fact that Jesus hung out with people that they did not associate with. Uh, Jesus did not keep their traditions. Uh, he healed people on the Sabbath. These were their excuses for rejecting Jesus. Sure, he can do all of these miracles, they said, but it's probably just because he has a demon in him. You remember that from some chapters ago. Uh, ridiculous excuses that they came up with to reject Jesus Christ. And in the end, they hated Jesus so much that they killed him. And so after the Pharisees rejected the messengers sent to them, the offer of the kingdom was now going to be extended to others. That's kind of the point of the parable here. Uh, the, the Jews, the Pharisees had rejected Christ, had rejected their Messiah. And so now that offer was going to be opened up to anyone who would receive it. This is what is pictured by the servant going out to the highways and compelling anybody who wants to, to come to the feast. And really, this whole story answers the question, what sort of people will get into the kingdom of God? The Pharisees thought that it, were, it was those who were devout Jews uh, the strictest religious people, those were going to be a part of God's kingdom. Those who maybe attended synagogue, those who kept the Sabbath strictly, those who were descendants of Abraham, that's what they would have expected. Jesus' surprising claim, though, is that anyone who accepts him will be granted access into God's eternal kingdom. And those who refuse to follow Jesus, regardless of their Jewish ethnicity or their strict standards of living, they will not be allowed in if they reject Christ. Uh, listen to Matthew's account of a very similar illustration that Jesus gave. He said, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything's ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. And so this is a picture of those messengers, like John the Baptist and like Jesus himself, who were sent to the Jews, and the Jews rejected them. They even killed them. And so the reaction of the king is quite predictable. In verse 7, the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Uh, by the way, I take this to be another prediction of the coming destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, less than 40 years after Christ was killed. Uh, God sent the Romans in and they wiped out Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. Uh, many of the Jews in that time were killed. And it was a judgment of God for their rejection of Christ. Verse 8. Uh, we're talking still in this uh, story in Matthew 22. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. By the way, isn't it interesting? Verse 8, uh, the king says, those servants weren't worthy to come. The ones that had been given the invitation and refused it, they're not worthy. So what is it, I, I, this is a question, though. Uh, what does it take to be worthy? Uh, what does it take to be worthy to enter God's kingdom? 
Well, you see in verse 10, both the bad and good are invited. It's not about your morality. It's about whether or not you will accept Jesus Christ. The same point as in the previous parable. The Jews of Jesus' day had rejected the offer of the kingdom, and so now God was going to extend it to everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. And so we see the point of the story in verse 14 really is that last verse where Jesus says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. If you have a Bible in front of you, uh, you might notice in verse 24, Jesus has switched voices. He's been speaking in the third person throughout the text, saying the master did this, the servants did that, and this person did this. And now he transitions and says, uh, I tell you. So now he's speaking to the Pharisees saying, uh, here's the application. Uh, here's the point of all of the story that I've given you. And the whole point of the story is this. None of those men who were invited to the banquet, but then refused to listen and follow the servant that the master had sent to them, none of those will be allowed in. And so the point of the text is, if you reject Jesus, you're not going to be in God's kingdom. You're going to face his judgment. If you reject the servant that was sent from God, you will not be welcome into his kingdom. The offer is extended only through Jesus. Reject Jesus, and you've just rejected eternal life. Now, this is one of Christianity's most unpopular doctrines, especially in uh, modern American culture. Uh, it seems arrogant or unloving or something to say that uh, only through Jesus Christ is there salvation. And yet, Christianity is an exclusive truth claim. Jesus did not just teach that he was one of many ways to God. He said that he is the only way. There's one road to heaven, and it's Jesus. Consider what he said in John 14, for example. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peter said in Acts chapter 4 to the crowd of Jews there in Jerusalem, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the only way of salvation. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to have your sins forgiven. He is the only way to eternal life. And so if you reject Christ, you will not be a part of God's kingdom. Now let's remember something that we mentioned earlier. Uh, think of how insulting it was for these invited guests to refuse the offer that the man who, who was putting on the feast uh, gave them. Again, he, he's putting on this great feast at great cost to himself. He invites these people out of his own kindness and says, come enjoy my feast. And they refuse that offer. Think of how insulting that is. Think of how rude it would be to make those lame excuses instead of accepting the gracious offer of salvation. And so now let's, let's apply that to the kingdom of God. Think of how insulting it is for God to send his only son into the world as a human, to die on a cross for our sins, he offers us forgiveness, and then we refuse to accept it. God will not allow anyone into his kingdom who has rejected his son. Jesus said in John chapter 3, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If there was salvation apart from Jesus, then why did he come to die? God offers us eternal life, and he offers us a chance to be with him forever, to have our sins forgiven. And Jesus purchased this redemption with his own blood. We dare not refuse this offer of grace. A little later in that same third chapter of John, it says, For he whom God has sent 
utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You cannot reject the messenger of God and expect to still have access into his kingdom. The invitation is revoked if you so insult God as to refuse his son who gave his life for you. Jesus had said to the Pharisees on another occasion in Matthew 21, What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in my vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. He went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, this would have been shocking and insulting to these religious people to think that these lowly sinners would be granted access into God's eternal kingdom while they're not. And yet uh, the reason is given in verse 32. Jesus says, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. The, the reason that they are missing out on the kingdom is because they rejected God's messengers. First John the Baptist, and then Jesus. And so that offer of eternal life in the kingdom of God is only given to those who will accept Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, uh, the worst of sinners. Anyone who will repent of their sins and trust in Jesus will be allowed into the kingdom of God. This is the same regardless of anyone's social status or ethnicity. Uh, by the way, the offer of forgiveness was still there for the Pharisees too, but only if they would repent and accept Christ. Uh, there are many times when people will at first refuse Jesus and then later accept him. If they go on refusing Christ, they have no hope of entering heaven. But at any time, if they would realize their error and they would embrace Christ as Lord, they would be given eternal life. We know this because later in the New Testament, some of these Pharisees did that very thing. Uh, one such example is the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was formerly a Pharisee. Uh, he hated Jesus. He hated the Christians. He persecuted them, uh, imprisoning them. But later he repented and he gave his life to Jesus. And we know that he's not the only one to be forgiven of this initial rejection. Acts 15, for instance, says some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. And so you see there an indication that apparently in that church in Jerusalem, there were many Christians who had formerly been Pharisees, and yet now they are believers. And this just shows us once again the forgiveness and the grace of God. Even those who rejected Christ initially, even those who killed him, if they would just repent and follow Christ, they would be forgiven. And so the main point of the text is simple. There is only salvation through Jesus Christ. If you reject him, you're barred from entering the kingdom of heaven. But if you believe the gospel and become a follower of Christ, you are welcomed into his kingdom. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've done. The offer of forgiveness and eternal life is extended to all who will repent and believe in Christ. Uh, one final application from this text, verse 23. The master said to the servant, uh, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. If Jesus is truly the only way to the Father, if he's the only way to eternal life is by following Christ, we ought to be 
the ones going out and compelling others to come to Christ. This is why we preach the gospel to the lost. This is why we send missionaries around the world. This is why we invite neighbors, coworkers, those that we have influence in, to enter the kingdom of Christ through a relationship with Jesus. If we truly believe that he is the only way to heaven, that Jesus is the only source of forgiveness, then we ought to be the ones who go out into this lost world and compel people to come into God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. He's entrusted us with this message of hope, of forgiveness of sins, and he's given us the order to go out into all the world proclaiming this message. Let's be faithful to do just that. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.